Welcome to the Spring Forth Podcast, a ministry of the First Congregational Church of McGregor, Iowa. This recording was made for November 10th, 2021. Hello again, friends. I took some more time to think about that widow. The widow who gave all that she had in the form of two copper coins and then disappeared into the crowd as Jesus was sitting and watching people give money to the temple treasury, citing how those who gave out of their abundance were hardly giving anything. But she who gave all that she had to live on demonstrated tremendous faith. I thought some more about how difficult that passage is to hear in this contemporary age where we have backup systems to our backup systems. I think about the level of security that we all exhibit in some form. Those of us who are fortunate enough to possess homes and automobiles and items, we insure these items. So if anything should befall them, if we have a breakdown, if something is stolen, if something is lost due to damage, fire, flood, we can either repair or replace. So how can we possibly understand what it was like to be this widow who only had two copper coins worth a penny to her name, goes, drops these items in the treasury, and then disappears into the crowd, placing all of her faith, all of her hope, her entire being on the mercies of God. You think about the level of extravagance that we have, and everyone in a congregation has varying levels. Some are very well off, others getting by. But even the least affluent individuals that we have in our congregations are still far beyond that woman that's spoken about in the scriptures. So it's difficult to, to be able to speak about this context of a widow who relies excessively on her faith when we don't have to. Like part of our faith informs us that we should maintain our possessions and ensure them and repair them or replace them when they get worn out. Without them, we have no measure of who we are. We have nothing to show for ourselves. Who are we if we are not our possessions? So it's very difficult to hear this passage in from a position of affluence and have it make any sense. However, that being said, we are supposed to be indicted by the scriptures. We don't know the context of that woman's life. We do not know if she had a son. She was living with him. We do not know if she had a 
son-in-law. We do not know if she had a brother. We do not know if she had an uncle. We simply know that Jesus points her out as an individual who has two copper coins to live on and she lets that go. What we are to learn is that this woman is exemplar in her faith and her ability to trust that God will take care of her provisions and look after her. That sort of freedom of spirit, freedom of mind is something that we who are burdened with our affluence simply do not have. So I don't know what happened to that woman. We read about her in the scriptures. Jesus uses her as an object lesson. We never hear from her again. We know that there are many like her. We know that there are many like her even to this day. And like her, they too also disappear. Because if we acknowledge them, then we will have to address their concerns. We will have to address what's behind their concerns. And we don't want to do that. Because then that means the structures and the systems that uh, were in place to allow this person to come to such a pass, we may have to do something about that. And taking action for comfortable people is difficult. So what do we learn about ourselves in relationship to this woman? What would we do if we were there sitting with Jesus and he was observing and directing our attention to the temple treasury and saying, look at all these people, look at all this, this cash that they're just unloading because they can, because they have it. They can give it. They can give it. It doesn't even hurt them. They can give it. They'll make it back. They can give it and still live and operate comfortably. But this, this widow, well, she's giving everything that she has. We don't know what she's going to live off of because she won't be able to buy food. She may not be able to find an inn to stay at. She may have to turn herself to begging. She may have to go and put herself on outside the city gates, on the side of the pathways, hoping on the charity of the odd merchant who travels to and from the community. But in terms of resources, she has nothing. She can be enterprising, right? We can read into this and say, well, maybe she's clever and she can appropriate herself in these these different ways, but but money? She has not. But faith. Faith she has. Trusting that God will speak to her and guide her and direct her to where she needs to go. We can learn about what it means to be dependent on such hope from her. I'm not asking any of you to feel worse because you have more. I'm not going to ask you to go out there and voluntarily divest yourself of every last possession that you have, empty out your accounts, sell your home, get rid of your car, take all of your clothing to the nearest Goodwill or Depot. No. 
And I don't believe that Jesus is asking us to do that either. What Jesus has wanted from us, will want from us, is mindfulness. To understand that we are here on the shoulders of others. And the same difficult questions that they asked before us, we are still called to ask. There will always be those in our communities that have need. What Jesus is inviting us to do is to think about how we respond to those in need. How we can find compassion without judgment, encouragement and support without disdain. How we can endure in the ability of being able to, to build and fashion a community that truly cares about one another without the snide comments, backhanded compliments, another sort of derisive speech that just breaks down community. If you have a roof over your head, God bless you. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to me, you have some sort of device. You are at a position, as I might say, as am I, that we can even have this luxury, that we can even just be here interacting in this fashion to it's never occurred to me till this point, but to be able to create and to enjoy a podcast is a position of privilege. So let's just get that out of the way. But we still live in this world where there's great injustice and an imbalance. And if we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to dabble in this venture of trying to follow some tenets and some precepts of of Christ we've got to understand the kind of world and the context in which we live in we can't turn away from the truth we can't be in denial we have to understand that sometimes people are dealt a raw deal not by any decision on their own behalf but by the structures that prevail against them consistently and we are called to address those concerns because we're all just but a moment away from a dramatic situation that could change our life if any of us got injured we might not be able to do the jobs that we are doing right now for those of you who work with your hands those of you who need your body to apply yourself at work, you lose a limb, lose your vision, lose your hearing, mess up your back, become injured in some way and watch your life change. I mean, we understand that the affliction that the woman in the scriptures was suffering was that she was a widow, that her husband had died. And as far as we know, in the context, there was no one else to care for her. Because rightfully, her husband's property would have gone, perhaps maybe to, if he did not have a son, to his son-in-law, if he didn't have a son-in-law, to his brother, to some other next-of-kin male relative. 
and they weren't obliged to take her in. They could have done so out of hospitality reasons, but they weren't obliged to. So Jesus sees that this woman has become a casualty of the system, casualty of the community. Yet she still desires to give. She still desires to support the temple treasury, hoping that perhaps maybe in kind, it will remember her in its charity. But that too is also a hope. The woman walks away from the temple treasury with nothing but hope. Nothing but hope. But we have the assurances that we are well cared for. We have the assurances that the systems that we have put in place, which will provide for us, will someday pay out in the event that we need these things. Our assurances seem to be more placed upon the structures and the systems that we establish in life as opposed to the faith that we are called to cultivate in church. Even churches are dependent upon insurance systems and endowments and benefactors and all this kind of nonsense which actually just moves us so far off the mark. In any event, this is just all stuff to consider. It's just all stuff to think about. The complicated nature of relationship that we have with our things, with God, with one another. Or maybe it's not that complicated. Maybe we should see someone in need and not ask how they came to be in need and just address their concerns. So often we want to plunge the reasons as to why this person wound up homeless, why this person lost their job, why this person lost their relationship. We want to get to the bottom of the problem, which is not to assist, but it's to place blame. And Jesus didn't place blame on that woman. He noticed her and said that woman is bold in her faith because the entire community has failed her. But she still trusts and believes in God because she doesn't correlate the behavior of the community with her reliance on God. They're distinct. She can accept that the systems in place, the support systems in place failed her. She can accept that. But what she will not accept is that God obviously has let these things happen to her. God has forgotten her. She will not accept that. She can walk with confidence away from the treasury after letting go of that last bit of possession, that last crutch that she had to give her false hope. I'm going to let these two coins go and then I'm going to walk with God and God will show me the way and she'll be all the wiser and the freer for it. What do we have to unburden ourselves from in order to be able to live as close in alignment with God as we can? What do we have to get out of the way in order to see the people of God and to see how we have contributed to 
systems and structures that have kept people at such a disadvantage. And that someday, we could reap the same harvest that we have so actively sown. It's crazy, isn't it? We work so hard at developing and cultivating our lifestyles, only to realize that maybe we've been putting all of our efforts into the wrong things to begin with. And as a result, we have obscured God by our quest for notoriety, authority, power, status. But we learn, I can never be that widow. Maybe you will never be that widow. I don't have her presence of faith. I don't have her level of confidence. But I can reflect on her and realize how far we have to go and how much we have yet to learn. Thanks for spending some time in this ramble with me as we sort of muse and contemplate together where God wants us to go and what God wants us to see. I do hope that as you move forward, you will give greater attention to the things that God wants you to see that perhaps maybe you didn't want to, to think about and to reflect on those things that God wants you to think about that you didn't want to, and that maybe you'll find your voice and you'll speak up on behalf of some person in great need that normally you wouldn't consider. If we do this, we can build the kind of community that doesn't abandon widows and orphans, doesn't penalize and blame the victim, but simply step by step, measure by measure, builds the kind of world where we can all have a fair shake. That's good church. And I hope we can allow ourselves to be active workers in the vineyard as we create that good and pleasing community. Be safe out there. God bless.